Get yourself a blue hymnal, if you will. And we're going to sing number 447. If you can, let's all stand. Let's all stand. 447. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley, in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, in trouble he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. Hallelujah, he's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He all my griefs has taken and all my In temptation he's my strong and mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken and all my idols torn from my heart and now he keeps me by his power. Though all the world forsake me and Satan tempt me sore, through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. Hallelujah, he's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. While I live by faith and do his blessed will. A wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. With his manna he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory, I'll see his blessed face. Where rivers of delight shall ever roll. Hallelujah, he's the lily of the valley. The bright and morning star, he's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Amen. Brother Brandon, if you would, open us in prayer, please. Amen. Please do be seated. Well, it is uh, the last night. No percentages now. Amen. It's uh, been a good week, and I tell you, there's no higher compliment than a number of people have said, you know, it just seemed like the messages were over too quick, and so now don't get any ideas or anything. <laughs> but, uh, no, it just, it's been a blessed week, and so I praise the Lord for that. A number of folks, like I said, have been watching the videos if they couldn't be here, and and uh, I went to just see the quality of the videos, make sure that we had good quality, and you did a good job. You're all looking nervous. There you go. <laughs> no, you did a good job. The thing that's funny about it, though, is that uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed because of the way TV is done nowadays. A lot of it's done through the internet, and every once in a while, your TV will get off phase with the vi the audio. Has everybody ever noticed that? And so I'll be leading the singing, and my hand is not matching the music. <laughs> Not matching the music. 
And so, but anyhow, uh, uh, it's just been a blessed week. And uh, do be in prayer for the Taylors tonight. They, uh, they, they're going to need to get home, so they got a five-hour drive ahead of them. And uh, so we're going to try to get some quick fellowship over at Brahms if anybody would like to go. But let me encourage you, if you're wanting to do that, let's uh, finish the service and let's get over there. And uh, we can have some good fellowship over there and, uh, and uh, help them to get on the road just uh, to get home. If you guys have ever been gone for seven days, any of y'all want to sleep in your own bed? Amen. And so no doubt he has pastor duties and everything. So just pray for them. And, and it's just been a joy and a pleasure to have them. Uh, let's sing, if you will, number 452. 452. <clears throat> I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. For me it was in the garden, he prayed not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own griefs, but sweat drops of blood for mine. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. In pity angels beheld him and came from the world of life. To comfort him in the sorrows he bore for my soul that night. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows, he made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. When with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see, twill be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful 
is my Savior's love for me. Amen. Very good. 229. and his love tell me the story simply as to a little child for I am weak and weary and helpless and defiled tell me the old old story tell me the old old story Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Tell me the story slowly that I may take it in. That wonderful redemption, God's remedy for sin. Tell me the story often, for I forget so soon. The early dew of morning has passed away at noon. Tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story of Jesus. Good singing. Tell me the story softly with earnest tones and grave. Remember I'm the sinner whom Jesus came to save. Tell me the story always, if you would really be. In any time of trouble, a comforter to me. Tell me the old, old story. The old, old story. Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Tell me the same old story when you have cause to fear that this world's empty glory is costing me too dear. Yes, and when that world's glory is dawning on my soul, tell me the old, old story, Christ Jesus makes thee whole. Tell me the old, old story, tell me the old, old story, tell me the old, old story. Jesus 
sent his love. Amen. Thank you very much. Well, amen. Well, it is uh, 8 of 8. So tonight's the last night. And I will say this, that uh, it's never my desire for a revival meeting to end. And to be quite honest with you, it doesn't have to. Because the impact can, can carry us on, continue. And I tell you what, he has, he has hit just every aspect of the Christian walk. And it's been strengthening, it's been challenging, it's been encouraging. And so I just pray that the Lord would continue to bless and to move, and that uh, revival wouldn't end here, but would really just begin. And uh, it's, it's been a blessing, the fellowship and, and the preaching and the singing. And, um, and so uh, I'm not going to take any more time. Brother Jeremy Taylor, you come and preach the word of God to us. Amen. Let me invite your attention tonight to Jeremiah chapter 18, would you? Jeremiah chapter 18, you're turning there. I do just want to say a thing or two on behalf of my family, and I thank you. Uh, really seems almost insignificant. Uh, does, just doesn't begin to express how much we appreciate all the things you've uh, put us up in a wonderful accommodations and uh, fed us this week. And I, I want to say this, thank you to the church for sharing your pastor this week with us. Um, I've enjoyed the fellowship. I don't get uh, the kind of fellowship that I've had this week with him, with just everybody, and so I have enjoyed it, been able to uh, talk. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned, though. Um, we think a lot alike. <laughs> uh, that may be a little dangerous, but uh, I tell you, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, I did understand that he said there's Brahms afterwards, so let's go ahead and close in prayer, and um, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get there in just a moment. I do want to share something with you tonight, hopefully be a help to you. So that's being said, let's take our Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 8. Let's stand tonight, if you would. And we'll look together, Jeremiah chapter 18, Jeremiah chapter 18. Look with me beginning in verse number 1, would you? The Bible says the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Our Father, tonight we do thank you for the privilege of being gathered around your word. Dear Lord, it has been a good week. My heart has been thoroughly encouraged. Thank you for these dear folks and their generosity, their hospitality, Father, just their attentiveness to the preaching every night. And dear Lord, I know that there's a lot of activities, there's a lot of other events, there's a lot of life being lived this week. And for them to be faithful and come and listen, and Father, have an ear and a heart to hear from you. Father, what a blessing it has been to my heart. And so God, I pray that you've given them something this week to help them and challenge them. 
And I pray you might do the same again tonight. Father, just bless your preacher that stands in this pulpit. God, I pray that you'll just clear my mind, my thoughts. May I be nothing more and certainly nothing less than a vessel used in your hand to carry your word tonight. God, we'll thank you and praise you as we ask these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so very, very much. You may be seated. You'll find very clearly with me in the first couple of verses here that the Lord tells Jeremiah. He says, I want you to go down to the potter's house and it's there in the potter's house that you're going to experience something. You're going to see it. And I want you, Jeremiah, to get a hold of what you see there in the potter's house. And when you get a hold of it, then the idea was that Jeremiah then would relay a message unto the rest of the people. And you know, God often works that way. God often will use a physical illustration to get across a spiritual message. In fact, the book of Jeremiah itself is rife with these different kind of illustrations that are meant to carry a message unto the people of God. For instance, in Jeremiah chapter 13, you have the lesson of the linen girdle. That linen girdle was meant to be a display. Often at this day and age, they would put on a linen girdle and it's where they would hang their military ribbons and things they're proud of, things they wanted to display. And the Bible says that God had an intent to put Israel, put the people of God out as a display, as someone he could be proud of, and yet what they had become was that rotten, worthless, decayed linen girdle that really never reached its potential. And God says that's kind of how Israel has handled themselves. In Jeremiah chapter 13 also there is the illustration of the wine bottles and God instructs Jeremiah to take those bottles full of wine and dash them together and break them in pieces and spill that wine. That's a signification of the fact of all the joy and the potential that they had in their relationship and their walk with God and yet because of their actions they've ruined that potential joy and happiness and really have squandered the opportunity. In Jeremiah 28, there is the instruction from the Lord for Jeremiah to take a yoke and hang it about his neck and walk up and down the streets of Jerusalem. And ladies and gentlemen, that was a signification that one day the Babylonians are going to come. They're going to take the people of God into captivity and there they shall be in bondage. I'm just telling you, the book of Jeremiah as a whole is full of these physical, real-life illustrations that carry a spiritual message unto the people of God. We come here to the 18th chapter of Jeremiah, and my friend, this is probably the most recognized of the spiritual illustrations that you'll find in the entire book. Jeremiah is instructed to go to the potter's house and I want you to notice what it says in verse number 6 with me. In verse number 6 he says, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. 
God says here to the prophet Jeremiah speaking unto the people, he says, listen, you as a people and my relationship with you is very much the same as it is with the clay that's in the potter's hands. And my friend, that's a descriptive idea. It's descriptive language. It's a comparative idea. It uses language. So as clay is in the potter's hand, so the Lord says to his people, you and I have some similarities. We have a similar relationship just like that clay is in the potter's hand. Now, this is what the Lord is telling his people through the prophet Jeremiah. Can I say this to you tonight? That this is not just about Israel. And this isn't just about God and his people and the nation of Judah. But my friend, this illustration of clay and the potter's hand is very applicable to our lives as children of God in this day and age. Let me read you some Bible verses, if I might. In Isaiah 64, verse number 8, the Bible says, But now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou art potter, and we all are the work of thine hand. You say, preacher, I got that, but that's the Old Testament, okay? Well, Romans chapter 9 then. Romans chapter 9, verses 20 and 21, the Bible says this. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to one to, to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? And ladies and gentlemen, we find that this illustration, this idea, this comparative uh, illustration of clay in the potter's hand is very applicable to you and I this evening. If you allow me just a moment or two, I want us to look at this illustration tonight from the 18th chapter of the book of Jeremiah. And I want to preach to you on this thought, clay in the potter's hand. Clay in the potter's hand. First of all, look in verse number 3 with me tonight. And I want you to notice the advanced activity. You say, what do you mean? Well, the advanced activity, look in verse number 3. Jeremiah, after being sent by the Lord to the potter's house, here's what he says. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. You know the idea here is that before Jeremiah ever reached the potter's house, the potter has already been at work. The idea is not like, well, the potter's waiting around kind of twiddling his thumbs and, oh, Jeremiah, finally you show up about time. Now I can get started and I can get to work and I can start doing something. That's not how this illustration unfolds here. The idea is that by the time Jeremiah reaches the potter's house, the potter is already doing something and already working and molding and shaping a vessel on the wheels. 
before Jeremiah ever gets here, there is an advanced activity from the potter into that clay. He's already spent a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of detail getting this clay ready to be molded into a vessel that's both beautiful and useful for the master. Now I find it interesting talking and thinking along these lines of an advanced activity. It was the responsibility of the potter to take a shovel or a digging instrument of one sort or another and he himself would have to go out and harvest his own clay. And often what he would do this, this is a huge endeavorment. It, it, it's not like he just walked out the back door and found some and then walked in and put it on the wheel. There's a whole lot more things going on with this clay before it ever reaches the wheel itself. And here's what he would do. He would take his shovel. He'd go find a place where he knows that clay's at. He'd remove the topsoil. Get down under the rocks and often where uh, this terrain is, there's limestone. And so he'd have to break up what the Bible would call fallow ground. He'd have to get down under that and get down where the clay is. And he would be responsible, he would harvest that clay after coming to where it is and taking it out of the ground. Let me stop right here and say this. I'm glad tonight that the potter, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to where I was and worked in the soil of my heart and my friend drew me unto himself. I'm glad tonight before I ever got put on the wheel and the Lord started trying to mold me and make me into something, I'm glad he came to where I was and drew me to himself. Now, I, I'm not a Calvinist. Don't, don't, don't worry tonight. I'm not one of these that believes that God chooses some to heaven and some to hell. But I tell you, my friend, I do read my Bible, and I'm telling you, he's the one that came seeking me and wanted me to have a relationship with him. That's an incredible thing when we think about that God would love you and I that much and desire to have a relationship with us. Telling you, I've heard people and I know they mean well and I don't mean to be judgmental or critical tonight, but I've heard people say, give their testimony and say something along the lines, well, I'm sure glad when I found the Lord. Or I'm, I'm glad when I discovered Jesus. Well, I, can, I, can I just help you with that a little bit tonight? He wasn't the one lost. <laughs> I was. And it wasn't that I found him, it's the fact that he found me. And he worked in my heart and broke up that fallow ground and drew me to himself. Do you know also in doing so that once that clay is harvested, you don't just take it straight out of the ground and put it on the wheel? There has to be a transformation of that clay. And here's the interesting thing about that. Clay in and of itself in its raw state, is worthless. You think about it. There are many elements in this world that even in their raw natural condition are quite valuable. Oil, even before it's ever refined, is quite valuable. 
silver, gold, diamonds, things before they're ever taken to a refinery and made better and that kind of stuff in their raw natural condition. They're, they hold value and worth. Clay, it's got no value to it. It has to be transformed. And what they'll do is the potter will take that clay, he'll lay it out on his workbench, and these day and age he'd take a wooden mallet and begin to just kind of beat upon that clay and soften it up. He's looking to take the lumps out of it, the impurities, the imperfections. He's looking to kind of break that stuff up. And then what he'd do, he'd take that clay and he'll dump it into a trough, either a cement trough or a wood lime trough, and he'll put it into that trough and he'll add water to it and he'll come and begin to stir it a little bit. He'll let it soak up that water. He'll come back and put a little more and stir it again. And what he's doing, he's transforming that clay into a material that's called slip. And that slip can then be put on the wheel and molded into a vessel that brings glory and honor to the potter and to the one to whom it's meant for. I tell you this. Before you and I can ever be molded into a vessel, there has to be a transformation that takes place in our life. And again, I'm not trying to be judgmental or critical tonight, but I wonder sometimes if we're not having a problem in our churches today because we're trying to take raw material and put it on a wheel and mold it and there's never been a real genuine transformation because until that transformation takes place, that clay will never yield to the touch of the potter and allow itself to be molded into a vessel. Before it's ever molded, it's got to be transformed into a different material. And I tell you, that's true in the life of God's people. It starts with salvation. It starts with the fact that he came to us and he came to where we are and transformed us into a material that he can mold and make what he wants it to be. I, I tell you, Jeremiah shows up and the potter's already working on this thing. But my friend, there's a whole lot of work that already went into that vessel before it ever reached that stage. And so there's an advanced activity. Let me talk to you tonight also about the appointed place or the appointed area. Jeremiah was told specifically, go down to the potter's house. There at the potter's house, you're going to see the potter do something. You're going to witness something. You're going to watch it with your own eyes, and you're going to see him in his house do something with that particular material and mold it into a vessel. Can I tell you there's still an appointed area in which the Lord works in a great way? I, I'm just telling you, you say, Preacher, you've kind of been hitting this week a lot on the importance of the house of God and upon the, uh, the importance of the church. And I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me carefully. I'm glad tonight that my salvation lies strictly 
in the finished work of Calvary and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad tonight I'm going to heaven based upon what Jesus did on the cross and the sacrifice that he made for me. But I tell you tonight, while that has to do with my salvation, my service has everything to do with the house of God. And if I'm going to bring him glory and honor, it's going to be done through his house. And so the house of God is important. And Potter showcases his ability in his own house. This isn't done down at the lake. This isn't done at the ball field. This isn't done at home. When there's a molding and a making and a shaping of that vessel, it is done in the area, the Bible says, of his house. Well, preacher doesn't, I mean, isn't God capable of working anywhere? Sure he is. But God has chosen to work in his house in a very special way. And God will do things and showcase his ability within his house and do things here that he won't do anywhere else. And so there's the, that appointed area. And can I, can I just mention this, if I might? You and I need the house of God. Amen. We need, God is working to make us what we ought to be right here in this place. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 4 that gifts have been given unto the house of God and it says for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I think I'm on safe ground tonight to tell you, you and I will not come to spiritual maturity without the house of God. We got to have it in our life. You say, well, preacher, you know, uh, uh, that perfecting of the saints, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just never going to be perfect. Yeah, no, I, I know that. I, I'm not going to be perfect. That's why I keep coming back to his house. I, I, I'm not a perfect pastor. I know you may not believe that, but I'm not a perfect pastor. I was going to say I'm not a perfect husband, but I don't want my wife to sit there and shake her head. That would hurt my feelings tonight. I'm not a perfect husband, honestly. I'm not a perfect dad. I'm not a perfect pastor. I want to be. I, I want to be. And the Bible says, be perfect as your father is perfect. You know why I keep coming to the house of God? You know why I keep gathering around the word of God? Because little by little, shape by shape, God's molding me and making me and help develop my life that I might be a better vessel that brings him more glory and more honor. But I'm telling you, it's done in an appointed place. So tonight as we look at this idea of clay in the potter's hands, there's the advanced activity. There's the appointed area. But then here's what I want you to notice with me, if you would. I want you to go to verse number 3, and I want you to notice with me the amazing ability. Jeremiah says this, Then I went down to the potter's house, and this next word, behold, that's an attention getter. It, it, it means to focus in on. It means to get a hold of. It's the idea of, wow, look at this. 
Pay attention to this. If you and I were driving down the road and I said, behold, there's a stop sign. I don't want you just to see the stop sign. I want you to know what that stop sign is for and the purpose behind it. And I want, to, I want you to get a hold of what that means and what it's about. Okay, that's the same idea here. Behold. And you know what Jeremiah is so amazed by? The, it's a subtle indication here. But it's yet true. Look what he says. Behold, he wrought. It doesn't say a vessel. It says he wrought a work. You know what amazes Jeremiah? It's not the vessel. It's the potter's ability. Look what the potter has made out of a bunch of of dirty, old, worthless clay. He's transformed it, turned it into a material, and look at what this potter can do out of this. And Jeremiah's just amazed. Wow, look at this. Pay attention to this. This is incredible. He wrought a work. It doesn't say he wrought a vessel. He wrote a work. Jeremiah is amazed at what the potter can do out of nothing. And I tell you, if you and I aren't careful sometimes in our Christian life, we become more enamored with the vessel than we do the one who's making the vessel. And if you and I ever are made into anything that's worthwhile for the glory and honor of God, it's not because you and I did it. It's because he shaped us. It's because he transformed us. It's because he molded us in tender care and turn after turn after turn on that wheel. It's because of what he has invested in us. And my friend, all glory belongs to the potter, not the vessel. says he wrought a work on the wheels. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says it this way. It says, but we have the, this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. May the Lord help us tonight not to become too impressed and too enamored with the vessel, but may we always be amazed at the ability of the potter himself. Now there's some things about this ability that I want you to notice with me. There's the perception of this ability. Do you realize that when the potter sits down at the wheel and puts that clay there on it, he's already got in his mind what he wants that clay to turn into? He's got a perception. He's got a picture. He's got an image of what he wants that material to be formed into. It's not like he sits down with the intent to build a vase and end up with an ashtray. <laughs> he comes in and he knows what it, he, he, he wants it to be. He's got a plan. He puts it on there and he doesn't just start saying, well, let's see how it turns out and see what we got. 
No. Every stroke is deliberate. Every turn, every revolution that goes around on that particular potter's wheel is done with purpose and care and a vision for what that material can be. He sets it there on the wheel and it looks like a lump of clay. He doesn't see what it is. He sees what it can be. I'm for one tonight, I'm glad that God just doesn't always see what I am. But I'm glad that he's got a purpose with my life. I'm glad that he's got a vision for me. I'm glad that he's got a plan and he's got something. Hey, I know what you can be. Again, not because of my ability, but with his touch and his hand and his purpose in my life. I'm telling you, my friend, it's a wonderful thing to think that that God of all creation has got a specific plan just for my life. You know, if we're not careful, we sometimes have this idea about surrendering to the Lord and yielding. We think, well, you know, that's for young people, and and you surrender to position. I I hear people say it all the time. Well, you know, I'm going to surrender to be a pastor, or I'm going to surrender to be this, and I'm going to surrender to be that, or I'm going to surrender to a place. I'm going to surrender to go to the mission field in this country or that country. Can I tell you before positions ever come into play, before a place ever comes into play, it's not really necessarily about the position or the place. It's about the person. And if you and I will surrender and yield ourselves to the master, the position and the place will work itself out. But you and I are to yield ourselves. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. The Bible goes on to say that's our reasonable service. It's the least of what we can do. There is a perception of this ability. There's also pressure from this ability. When he puts that, that, that slip on the wheel and begins to turn with his foot, that bottom wheel, and it's put on an axis and there's a smaller wheel on top, every revolution is done on purpose. You know what he does from the time it begins to get going, and he puts his hand on it, there's pressure. There's pressure being put. And by the way, there's pressure on the outside, And there's pressure on the inside. If he's going to make that a usable vessel, then he's got to do some work on the inside in order to hollow it out and make it be able to where it can be filled and used and put into it whatever he intends to put into it. It takes some pressure. I for one am glad that our potter cares enough about you and cares enough about me that he's willing to put pressure on me and trying to mold me and help me and, and, and kind of knock off the rough edges and trying to, trying to put this into my life. and those things. I, I'm glad for every time he puts pressure on me. I, I've had people over the years come and say, well, you know, uh, brother, uh, brother Taylor, uh, Pastor, we're going to, I think we're going to leave the church and everything. I just don't like coming to church and feeling bad all the time. 
Well, can I say something with it? I don't want people to come to church and feel bad all the time. I, I really don't. That is, I, I, that's not my goal. That's not my desire. I don't want to browbeat people. I don't want to be that kind of preacher. That's not my intent. But at the same time, I'd worry if I came to church and never felt bad. I'd worry if I came and always felt happy and I was right and everything was good and there was no problems and that kind of stuff. No, I know who I am tonight and I know I've got issues and I know I've got things that my potter needs to work on. He's trying to mold it out of my life and he's trying to fix it and help me that I can be a better vessel for his glory and honor. And sometimes that does put pressure. And it's not just pressure on the outside. Again, it's pressure on the inside. But thank God for his conviction of the Holy Spirit, because my friend, we need that in our lives. We need it. And so there's the perception of his ability. He's got a plan. He's got an idea of what he wants this to be. There's pressure from his ability. And he's molding and making this vessel into what he wants it to be. But can I also tell you there's passion Look in verse number 4. In verse number 4, here's what we find. It says, the vessel that he made of clay was marred. Now look up here. When Jeremiah first enters the potter's house, behold, he wrought a work on the wheel. Wow, look at what the potter is doing. But now that there is a problem, the attention is no longer on the potter. The attention is on the vessel. The vessel is marred. And do you understand sometimes that because of stubbornness, because of hardness, that sometimes that material won't yield to the potter's touch. And you can have a master potter, but if the clay won't yield and won't take in the moisture that's being put on it, the water and soaking it up and that stuff, ladies and gentlemen, you can have the most skilled potter in existence and still end up with a vessel that's marred, no fault to the potter. Sometimes when our life becomes marred, it's not his fault. It's not because he didn't know what he was doing. It's not because he didn't have a plan. It's not because he didn't know what to do. Sometimes you and I won't allow our lives and our hearts to be molded. And we're not yielded and we're not tender and we're not sensitive to his leadership like they ought to be. And because of that, we end up as a vessel that's marred. Not his fault. The emphasis is now on the vessel. And if there's a problem, it's with the vessel, not with the potter. But I love this. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't take that lump of clay and say, well, that's how you're going to be, and that's what you want to do with, and punt it out the back door and say, I'll go get me another one. He doesn't do that. He doesn't operate that way. I don't know about you, but I would operate that way. 
I, I, I've learned, I've enjoyed this week. I, I've spent some time with your pastor, and I know that he does woodworking as a hobby and that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm almost ashamed. I, 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 I thought I was okay and could do some things until I looked at some of his stuff, and I'm going to tell you. Uh, but you know what? I, I like putting stuff together. I do. I like construction. I like putting things together when everything goes the way I want it to. I hate getting a material list, getting all my things cut and everything to start putting together. And for one reason or another, the project doesn't turn out right. You know what my answer to that is? My answer to that is push it right out in the middle of the driveway, sprinkle some gasoline on it, and set that thing on fire and watch it burn to the ground. That's the way I would deal with things that don't yield or, and turn out like they're supposed to. But I'm glad tonight that's not what our potter does. I'm glad he's patient. I'm glad he's long-suffering. And when I've gotten cold and different, when I've gotten a little stubborn and bullheaded, a little deaf in the ears and won't listen to his still small voice like I ought to, I'm glad that he didn't kick me out the back door or turn me out into the driveway. I'm glad that he puts me back on the wheel and just continues to mold and continues to shape and continues to work in my life trying to get me into that vessel that he wants me to be. I'm telling you, we got an amazing potter tonight. incredible the way he works in our life and may you and I stand amazed as Jeremiah was behold he wrought a work by the way he's still working on us it's not one of us that have arrived none of us have reached that pinnacle I'm here I'm ready to go uh, we're, we're still in the process. There's the advanced activity. Before Jeremiah ever shows up, there's been a lot of work already invested. There's the appointed area. The potter showcases his ability in his own house. There's an amazing ability. Look what the potter has done. And let me give you this tonight. I want you to notice with me the affirmed accomplishment. So what do you mean by that? Go to chapter 19 with me. You see, the potter's desire for you and I is that we would be both a beautiful vessel and a useful vessel. God doesn't just want to put us up on a shelf and look at us and say, wow, isn't that pretty? No, God wants to take us and use us and make us beneficial for the very cause of Christ. So he's got an accomplishment. And by the way, that's why Romans chapter 9, verse 20 and 21, that's why 2 Timothy talks about vessels of honor. God wants us to be vessels that bring him glory and honor. So as he sat down at the potter's wheel with a purpose for you and I, 
what he accomplishes with us as a vessel is according to his plan, according to his purpose. And listen to me tonight. Sometimes what he does with us and what he molds us into and what he, and what he does with us as a vessel, sometimes it's difficult. You say, what are you talking about? Okay, Jeremiah chapter 19. Look with me tonight, verse number one. Thus saith the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen bottle and take of the ancients of the people and of the ancients of the priest. Okay, let me pause right here. An earthen bottle is the idea of one that's been put into a kiln. It's one that's been put into the fire. It's been tempered. It's been heated up. And no longer is it pliable, mendable clay, but it's been heated to the point that now it's ready to be used. And so, Jeremiah, following the instructions of the Lord, the Lord says, go get an earthen bottle. One that has been through the fire, been tempered, and is ready. I've got a purpose with that bottle. Remember that work on the wheel? That was so impressive, not the vessel, but the ability of the potter. And look what he did. Okay, now it's been through the fire. Now it's ready to be used. God's fixing to show his purpose for it. Go to verse 10. Then, thou, then shalt thou break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee. And thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Even so will I break this people and this city, as one breaketh a potter's vessel that cannot be made whole again, and they shall bury them in Tophet till there be no place to bury. God says, Here's my plan for this vessel. My purpose, my issue, what I want and desire from this vessel, I want you to take it, and I want you to break it. That, that's what it says. The Bible says break it to the point that it can't be put back together again. When I was little, we had a standing rule in the home in my parents' house, and it was no playing ball, basketball, football, or any kind in the house. My mom collected certain uh, trinkets and different things, and we were not to play ball in the house. Well, mom and dad were going uh, off somewhere, and I had four older sisters. I was the youngest. I had four older sisters, and they were mean to me. <laughs> Feel sorry for me, okay? Mean. My sisters were mean to me and picking on me because I know I, was, I didn't deserve it. I know that. And one of my sisters was doing something. I took a ball and I went to throw it at her. Can you imagine that she had the audacity to move? <laughs> and she moved. And behind her was some of my mom's items on the shelf. And sure enough, that ball hit them. They hit the ground. And I'm telling you, there wasn't enough super glue in the world to put them things back together again. 
Here's what the Bible says. Break it to the point that you can't put it back together. I want you to crush it. I want you to break it. And God's sending a message, a illustration to His people. But the whole purpose of that vessel and why it was made was for this issue. And ladies and gentlemen, some of the things that God does with us as His vessel sometimes difficult. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it causes us some pain, some turmoil. And sometimes it breaks us to the point that when we go through it, we're never the same. You go through something, and there are some things of some levels that have such an impact on us as individuals will never be what we once were. So, Brother, Brother Taylor, I, I believe God's done that to me, and I just I don't know that I can be used of the Lord now. I'm broken, I'm in pieces, and I just don't think I'll ever be usable. I want you to listen to me very carefully tonight. Never underestimate even a broken piece of pottery in the hand of a master potter. Because may I remind you tonight that when Job was at his worst, his world had been crushed, everything had been taken, his own health was failing, he sat in sackcloth and ashes, and the only thing that ever brought him any comfort was when he took a broken piece of pottery and scrape the boils. God may very well break you as a vessel that you might be used in His hand to help somebody else. The Bible is clear in 2 Corinthians that sometimes God will put things through. And I, I want to read you the verse. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. God may break you. God may put you through something that's traumatic, hurtful, painful. But if you'll stay aware, if you'll stay with a spirit, that allows you to be in his hand, even broken, Master Potter can do some amazing things with even broken pieces of pottery. I'm telling you, there's nothing like clay in the hands of a Master Potter. So maybe the question ought to be to you and I tonight, are we yielded to him? Are we fighting him? Are we resistant? Are we, I, I just don't like this? My friend, you'll never be used to the way that you could be until you yield yourself to him and what he's doing in your life.
It starts with an advanced activity. I, I don't know everybody here tonight. I don't know your testimony. I don't, and, I, and I'm not pointing fair. I'm just asking a question. If you have a desire tonight to ever be put on the wheel and molded into something, I tell you this, it starts with a transformation. You're here tonight, you're not saved. I can tell you by all accounts of the Word of God, God's desire for you is that you get born again. Amen. You need to yield yourself and surrender and yield and submit to the fact of what He says. You're lost. And if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ, then He'll save you. He'll transform your life. Hey, we're a new creature in Jesus Christ. Starts with a transformation. Once that transformation takes place, through the potter in his own house, will showcase an ability in our lives to begin to mold us and make us. Somewhere along the way, he may even break us. But he is the potter. And we're the clay. And whatever he decides is best for us is what you and I ought to desire for our life. Are we yielded to him tonight? Are we letting the potter have his way to whatever he wants to do that we might be that vessel of honor? Our Father tonight, Father, we sure appreciate the depth of your word. Sure appreciate the illustrations, even like this tonight, that we see. And Father, I really don't know all the hearts of those that are here this evening. I do pray that, dear God, if there's one that's not saved, never been truly transformed, never yielded themselves, repented of their sins, and trusted Christ by faith and become a new creature. God, I pray tonight they might yield themselves to the potter. Father, for we that are saved tonight, Father, help us to yield. May we be pliable, moldable, teachable. God, I pray your ability would be showcased in our lives. Father, if it means that you break us, and may we welcome your will for our life that you might be glorified and honored. Father, bless the invitation tonight. Speak to people's hearts. Draw them to yourself. And we'll be careful to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand to our feet tonight. Pianist plays the altar.